everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Gluck, and I'm here with the best podcaster in NASCAR to say. It's Nate Ryan from NBC Sports. He has agreed to join my podcast for the final edition uh, post-race of the year. Um, just to give you some setup here, we have just watched the end of the race. I mean, like it probably didn't even end like 15 minutes ago at this point. So everything we're saying to you here is very fresh. We haven't had a chance to talk to everybody yet to work through everything. So we're giving you our very sort of raw initial reaction uh, here. And and Nate, um, you know, I think you have you're one of the best big picture thinkers um, that I've ever met. And so I guess I'll, I'll ask for your impression first. Joey Logano is a NASCAR champion. What does this all mean? I think it's good for NASCAR. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of when his teammate won the title uh, in 2012. Brad Keselowski was the first millennial. Uh, to win the championship for NASCAR. And I think that generated a lot of positive discussion uh, uh, about that. And, you know, NASCAR tried to play up the the young driver narrative all year long. And for the most part, it wasn't successful. And I think it's funny, Joey Logano often doesn't get included in that young driver narrative, even though he's actually younger than Austin Dillon, the Daytona 500 winner, who is often referred to as part of that changing of the guard, uh, new kids on the track, as Eddie Gossage attempted to uh, gin up as as a uh, phrase that didn't really catch fire. But uh, yeah, I think it's good for NASCAR. I mean, most of all, it's good for Joey Logano because here's a guy who 10 years we've heard about this guy and we're waiting here, you know, see him fulfill his potential. And then tonight he finally did. And the way he did it, emphatically beating the the three drivers considered the best all season long, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., uh, he beat them with probably the second best car, but with the best pit crew. And those two things allowed him to win the title. Well, let's dive into this because, you know, the, I think, first of all, the fact that he won it the way he did is going to help his standing, you know, in the long run. If he had sort of backed into it with some, you know, benefiting from the weird caution or something like that. But the bottom line was he was third on that restart. All four drivers are up there on equal stuff. It's head-to-head, basically, and he drives past Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. to take the championship. So it wasn't like, um, you know, like if Kyle Busch had won this race, everybody would have said, oh, my gosh, he was on this desperate pit strategy. He wasn't going to win, and then he got lucky with the caution at the right time, and he sort of was benefiting from the track position. But that didn't happen. I mean, Logano had to go up and take it. So that's, uh, you know, some something in his pocket. Um, the other, the other, the, everybody had, had the same shot, but, uh, I will say that, um, you know, I, I think that it's given the dislike of Logano, I feel like he is, is been more booed than, than Kyle Busch at times this year. Um, it, I think a lot of people are going to have a hard time swallowing this. A lot of fans, cause they just have such a distaste for him. Um, obviously you and I, you and I've talked, I mean, we, we don't really understand quite the, we don't see it the way fans do because, you know, we were like, well, this is a hard racer and people want hard racers and that's what he does. But, um, I don't think that their people are going to embrace this, uh, you know, just given the way they, they reacted after the true X incident in Martinsville. Yeah, I think that's fair, Jeff. And, uh, I do think Joey Logano for the most part gets judged unfairly for the way he races. Uh, a lot of other drivers have raced that way in NASCAR history and are celebrated for it. Uh, Dale Jarrett actually compared Joey Logano's style last year to the Intimidator, to Dale Earnhardt. And while that might be blasphemy uh, in the minds of of some fans and sacrilege, uh, there is something to that. And Joey Logano makes no apologies for the way he races. And he's rewarded for it. I I think that 
first of all, I should say we're doing this podcast so fresh that we don't even have stats. So I had right. to check this after I said Joey Logano had the second best car because I'm sure that people would raise holy hell if they hear that and notice that, oh, by the way, Joey Logano led a race high 80 laps. Uh, well, <laughs> he, he I, I think he had the second best car because Martin Truex Jr., who only led 20 laps but finished second over the course of a green flag run. Martin Truex Jr. had the best car. Well, and but, let me interrupt you just briefly because on pit road, Cole Pern said we had the best long run right, car and right. they had the best short run car. They end up getting a restart with 15 to go, which was a short run. It worked out perfectly for Logano, right. you know, but, but go ahead. But no, it, as you just pointed out, that final restart, it played in the Logano's hands perfectly because for the first 15 to 20 laps of a green flag run, his number 22 Ford was the fastest. That caution came out. The restart came with 15 to go. It, it couldn't have fallen any perfectly for him. But to your point, Jeff, he still had to work for it. He dusted uh, Kyle Busch immediately on that restart. Uh, it was just it was just stunning how Busch just didn't. He was he was fourth best tonight. It was clear of the championship contenders. And then two laps later, passes Martin Truex Jr. for good. And you know you mentioned like there, a lot of fans might be unhappy with this championship. How about Martin Truex Jr. who vowed at Martinsville. He may have won this battle, meaning Joey Logano bumping him out of the way in the last corner to win that race. Joey Logano may have won this battle, but he didn't win the war. And I asked Truex about that just now on in the pits, and he, he was like, yeah, it stings a little bit because it's him. Yeah. I mean, to have him pass you, I mean, you know, he was faster at that point, at that moment. So the alternative is that you potentially ruin your chance if you're trying to make contact, contact. But bottom line is he didn't make it hard enough on him, essentially, uh, who knows what else he could have done if there was anything. He was but, asked about that. Uh-huh. And he essentially said, I, I could have hit him and he still would have, it would have made a difference. I yeah. could have hit him and it, when I slowed him for a second, he still would have just driven right past me. He was too fast on the short runs. Now, of course, I think it is fair to ask, could you have just taken him out? Uh, and, you know, it's easy for us to sit here and, and play armchair quarterback and suggest that anybody can just wreck somebody on a mile and a half speedway. But it, it takes, I think, a little bit of skill and a lot of nerve. And as we've talked about this year, it's not really Martin Truex Jr.'s style. Yeah. And I'm sure at that point he's thinking, I can get back to him. I can, you right. know, if, if I can get close enough to him to do that, I'm going to try to take the air off him and make a pass rather than go for, you know, just spin him out of the way and cause another caution, cause another restart. Then you get Kyle Bush back there again in Harvick. I mean, I, I think he, I, I don't question what he did, but it's got to sting, like you said, just because. Um, I mean, this was the guy he vowed would not win it, and that's the guy he ends up losing to for the championship. But I, I will say, too, that this is going to be a little bit of an odd one for me because, um, you know, th- we talk about the credibility of this playoff form at all time, and, and Logano was fastest on Saturday, and he had the fastest short-run car. Um, so it's it's he did have speed. But the bottom line is the two unquestionably best cars this season, the heavyweight battle, ultimately finished third and fourth in the standings. Unbelievable. Um, they, you know, and that, that's kind of hard to, when you're talking about a sport and the credibility, I know things can happen, but it's kind of hard to swallow that a little bit. I mean, 16 wins between them, some of the best seasons, they're probably individual best seasons perhaps, and neither of them come away with a championship or even a runner up finish. Meanwhile, uh, the, the guy who had the third most wins is second and the guy who had the least wins among those ends up winning the title. It's just stunning to me again, Jeff, like Kyle Busch is the real big surprise that, we have a guy, 2015 champion, my colleague Dustin Long, picked him to win the race and the championship tonight, and he's the guy gambling on a caution. This is the only hope he has of winning the race. He stays out after all, all the rest of the championship contenders have pitted, just praying to get the yellow. And then he gets it, 
And then his pit crew gets him out first because he has that controversial first pit stall that his teammate, Denny Hamlin, who had a birthday today but gifted away the best pit stall to Kyle Busch this weekend. He he goes out with the lead, Kyle Busch does, and yet still, he wasn't even in the lead, I think, for a lap on that restart. He just, he was not a factor, and we heard that from him just now in his voice that, you know him, you've covered him for a long time. Kyle Busch does not mince words, and it was clear from him being in here in the media center and talking about it and his tenor on the radio, he knew that he his team just didn't have it tonight. Yeah, I mean, it was fascinating. On, on Pit Road, he was saying that, you know, he would try to modulate the throttle as he does on, on restarts, and every time he'd put the throttle down just enough, he'd spin his rear tires, and that was it. Like, he just didn't, he, he didn't have anything for him. He said he, on restarts all night, he didn't have the car to do it, which is shocking, as you said. And same for Kevin Harvick, really. I mean, there was times where it looked like, oh, okay, there we go. There's Harvick. He's going to win. He's in position to win. And ultimately, I mean, they can't get it done. And and he had a shot. Yeah. I mean, Harvick looked great in the first two stages. He wins stage two. And then he asks uh, his team on the radio. Actually, actually, I think it might have been after stage one. Uh, I think he finished second in stage two, the Larson. Right. At the, line, uh, yep. the first two stages, I thought Harvick had the best car. And he asked after starting 12th, I think he had some potential misgivings about how good his car actually was. He asked his team after stage one, how do I stack up against the other three? And Tony Gibson says, really good. Mm -hmm. And until that caution flies, he's in position to win the race because Tony Gibson pits him a lap before the other championship contenders, much like we saw in the Xfinity race a day earlier. Uh, Short pitting here really works. And that put Harvick out in front of Kevin Harvick, or excuse me, Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., Joey Logano. And I think Truex still probably gets Kevin Harvick if it stays green the rest of the way. But Harvick at least had a chance. And I think that Rodney Childers is a terrific crew chief. um, But if he has a weakness, it might be strategy. And you got to give Tony Gibson a lot of credit. The last two races... He played it perfectly and beautifully with Harvick to at least have him in position to win that title. Yeah, I mean, he called him in in time, and it looked like he was going to do that, as you mentioned. Um, I will say, you know, back to your point about this being good for NASCAR overall, um, even though the fans don't like Logano, I will say they avoided three potentially bad storylines that could have um, hurt going forward. <laughs> yeah. Number one, if Truex wins and goes back to back, I think the fans would have wanted that or, you know, they were rooting for that. But that you have the, the story of the team closing down for the two time champion. That's bad for NASCAR. If Harvick wins the title, um, you have a situation where he had coming off cheating and suspended crew chief and wins anyway. And, and people would be like, oh, gosh, a cheater won. Yeah. You know, pe- you know, people would say that. And then with the Kyle Busch thing, oh, a timely caution, and he you know he got out first because the number one pit stall. Right. Team uh, orders all weekend yeah. for Gibbs. Exactly. Yeah. So I will say, though, oh, go ahead, yeah. No, I was just saying, I mean, you mentioned that timely caution. Let's not forget who brought that caution out. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yes. So let, let's talk <laughs> about that because I, I think that by the time we get back to our computers and look at Twitter, there's probably going to be some, some talk about this late caution. Brad Keselowski gets into Daniel Suarez. Now, I have to say, I'm not trying to avoid... Uh, making a judgment here, but I have not gotten a chance to see the replay, really evaluate. I saw it when it happened. You know, they showed the replay. You know, first we saw Suarez's car smoking. We're like, oh my God, did he intentionally spin to help Kyle? Because that seemed to benefit Kyle at the time. And then they show, oh my gosh, Kozlowski got into him. But I have not got a chance to go back and watch it. I, I will say, though, if you're if we're talking about conspiracy theories and, and people that we know in the garage are already sort of, you know, other teams are saying, hey, you need, you guys need to look into this. Um, I, I will say it seemed at the time to benefit Kyle Busch more than more than Logano. 
Yeah. Well, I think you can argue it benefited both. It, it helped both drivers and it hurt Kevin Harvick and Martin Truex Jr. In the fact that the caution involved the teammates of the two guys it helped, Brad Keselowski, teammate of Joey Logano, Daniel Suarez, teammate of Kyle Busch, that's undeniable. And, and that is an optics problem that NASCAR wrestles with, with multi-car teams and the way this championship structure is set up. And Jeff, we talked about this, the fact that, again, this race always comes down to when the last caution comes out. Mm. And it's interesting because it looked for a while, uh, there were no natural quote air quotes cautions right. through the first two stages of this race and we thought we might have a situation like the trucks race like the Xfinity race the past two days that ran only with stage cautions but again um just like last year where a yellow came out again Cole Pern was saying 19 car involved that time as well uh that that led to Truex winning the championship last year when Truex had the better short run car and Kyle Busch had the better long run car. And Pern said he should have won the championship last year. Kyle Busch should have won the championship last year. We should have won it this year. But that when that caution falls, ultimately determines your, your champion. And I know Homestead Miami Speedway gets a lot of credit for great racing. And I think it does put on great racing. But it's interesting to me because of tire fall off, because of pit stops and all the discussion this weekend about that first pit stall and how much better it is than the rest of them. Uh, it, it, it presents an interesting layer and maybe a little bit of a dilemma for NASCAR about your champions are getting chosen based on when yellows tend to fall here. Yeah. And, and I, you're, you're much better at the strategy stuff than I am and thinking about this, but doesn't it seem like here, like this happens more than other tracks yes. for the most part, like <laughs> yes. short pitting here, that was about to give Kevin Harvick the championship. It looked like for a while, or, you know, the long run versus short run stuff. I feel like at other tracks, it doesn't, it's just like, okay, that guy's fast and he's going to win. Or, you know, it's, it's more simple and straightforward. This seems to come down to the slightest little things at the right time. One lap difference. Right. Are you serious? Like that's what the champions coming down to. Um, you know, I asked Cole Pern about it. Like, how does it, is it hard to digest the fact that you guys were going to win a caution comes out and because a guy set up his car for just precisely that short run, he wins a championship and Cole Pern's kind of like, that's our sport. I mean, it's, it's just kind of hard to wrap your head around sometimes. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, everybody loves Homestead Miami Speedway because of the tire fall off and because the progressive banking allows multiple lanes and allows a Kyle Larson to run up against the wall and just be breathtaking uh, the way he can generate such speed. But the tire fall off also, you know, the, the double edged sword here, it also presents this situation where it often does come down to these weird timing and circumstantial type uh, you know, chain of events where uh, when the caution falls can determine the champion. Something I'm just thinking of now that you mentioned Larson, I'm kind of wishing we had asked um, some of the big three guys who were in their losing press conference together. Why didn't any of them try to run what Larson was doing to try to catch the gun late? Was it just that their cars weren't set up for that? And I, Larson's I think they was? can't. Yeah. yeah, they can't. I think like I think we saw it in the Xfinity race yesterday. Tyler Reddick could run the top and was so much better than the other three championship contenders that. They just they couldn't do it. I mean, right. they, they, I mean, again, going back to the strategy play, a lot of the Xfinity Championship came down to Tyler Reddick's team pitting him a few laps ahead of Cole Custer, who inexplicably stayed on track and essentially removed himself from the championship equation. But the other part of it was Tyler Reddick, who has that dirt racing background, just like Kyle Larson, another Northern California kid. Both of them grew up on these types of dirt tracks where you're you're up against that cushion. Uh, he can run it and Larson obviously can run it like no other. And I don't know how you feel, Jeff, but like, I mean, watching him run that top lane, uh, at this track is it's, it's a sight to behold. 
It is, it, and it makes it so exciting and unpredictable. But the one thought I had tonight too was like we always talk about oh you know if Larson ever gets in the final four right watch out but at the same time I'm looking at it tonight I'm like you know I don't know that you can do that for a whole race I mean if, if Kyle Larson can't do it um you know you're, you're gonna make a mistake at some point it's it, it seems virtually impossible even for the best drivers which we're talking about the best stock car drivers in the world they cannot do that it's it's not sustainable for that long of a time it doesn't seem like I haven't had a chance to look at what Kyle Larson said I, apparently it was like a tire problem that, that took him out oh, from, really? from running the top. That. I think it was a tire problem that, that caused him to, to uh, spin there. Uh, I don't know if that was a result of him hitting the wall or scraping it or whatever, but I, I, would, I would say the counter argument to that would be when Kyle Larson has that championship contending team, obviously he hasn't had that yet. He came closest last year in 2017 when he had the four wins, but when he gets to the point where he has a team on par with the four guys we saw tonight, then I think the team gives him a car much like what Tyler Reddick had yesterday that will be good enough to run the top with no concerns about mm. any repercussions from it. And also, if Cup eventually goes to composite bodies, as everybody thinks they will, th- that was Tyler Reddick's crew chief said yesterday that that was the reason he could slam the wall four times and be okay. And uh, that you couldn't do that with a Cup car, but you might be able to do soon. Yeah. Nate, I know we're kind of on deadline here and I want to get this out as soon as possible. And you are going to have sit down interviews with all of the main players in the championship. So I want to sort of wrap this up. But um, how do you think this season will will be remembered when we look back on it um, a year or two from now? (laughs) I think that it will be remembered for a season of many great finishes uh, and and some really good racing. But much like I wrote a few weeks ago, I feel like it got overshadowed by a lot of off track things. You know, you mentioned the potential negative storylines of having some of the other drivers win tonight. And those were some of the storylines that we're talking about, whether it's teams breaking the rules or whether it's the, the teammate situation, team orders, whether it's a team shutting down, that's your defending series champion because they can't find the money. They don't have the sponsorship as a team that you would think that's so successful and has such a wonderful underdog story. They can't find the money from corporate America to, to stay funded. I think that's the mixed bag. I'll remember about 2018 Jeff is that is as much as I think I, again, I, I don't think this was a bad year from a racing perspective. I read your poll religiously and I think for the most part, uh, fans thought the racing was good, but there were a lot of things that happened off the track that I think detracted from it. Well, just in time for them to change the racing completely for next year. <laughs> right. But um, speaking of the, the poll, uh, let's try to predict here. What will the, was it a good race poll be tomorrow? Uh, since you're the guest, I'll let you go first and, and guess on, on this one. Man, put me on the spot. <laughs> this is the first time I've done this with, since you Oh, since we started doing the, the prediction. Because this is okay. the first time I've done this podcast in about 18 months. I did it after Atlanta 2017, where I don't think you were asking guests this yet. Yeah, so I wasn't. I'm so unprepared. Okay. Uh, I'll say because it's Logano, it'd probably be a little bit more negative, you think? Yeah, Help I do. Out here? I do. No? Okay. I'll go 70%. Said yeah. Say it's a good race. Yeah, I, I think that normally um, you'd have a homestead closer to, to right around 80 or something. And I do think that this, I think some of this race will be viewed negatively. It was an exciting finish and people will be into that. But um, I, I feel like I'm, I might go like 77% here, but I feel like there, there might be a lot of uh, dissatisfaction out there. So I don't know, but listen, Nate, um, I tell you what, I, I have got to catch up on a lot of your podcasts. I really do mean it. You have the best podcast. Um, <laughs> so everybody, I would encourage you to listen to the NASCAR on NBC podcast. There's a lot of podcasts that you do where I feel like they don't necessarily have a time hook. You're, you're having conversations with people. So they will be great off season listening. 
Um, where can people find your stuff? Uh, you can go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, anywhere that you download your podcast, anywhere you get your podcasts, you can find the NASCAR and NBC podcast. And I appreciate the plug. And of course, I will return the favor. I think I'm about four pods away from catching up on the Untitled Jeff, Cl- Jeff Cluck podcast for 2018. And uh, they're evergreen as well for the most part, except for these post-race podcasts. But I've told you, I can listen to these weeks later and still get some satisfaction and enjoyment out of it because I remember things and like oh remember we were thinking about that <laughs> yeah so um remember how wrong we were yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah remember well just remember when that was the main storyline and now here three weeks later it's not at all but yeah. um it's an honor and a privilege to be on and i really appreciate you having me jeff it's always a pleasure talking to you thank you i, I couldn't have picked somebody better to uh close this one out and so uh thanks to all you for listening as well uh, there will be some off-season podcasts i'm not exact, exactly sure what form those will take yet but i'm not planning to just uh leave everybody in the lurch and and just go away um hopefully keep checking your podcast feed or check twitter for more but for now that is it so thank you for listening this season to the untitled jeff gluck podcast